Gott. Breathing in, letting the arms raise above the head. Stretching the arms up and breathing out with a ha. And one more of those, breathing in. And enjoy the hands as they come down with the out breath. So we're gonna, I'm gonna invite you to make a little sound with your chest to um, help that area resonate, to help that area be tuned like you might tune instruments before a concert, right? They have to kind of find out where they are with their A's and their E's and their, right? So we'll make a, some sound using as much of your chest and rib cage as you can. Let the chest speak. And we'll, I offer you the ah sound because for most people that helps this area ring a little bit. Okay, breathing in. Any note you like, doesn't have to sound good. And keep the R's going as you breathe as you breathe. As if that R sound, keep it going, as if that R sound were like um, bees swarming around in the chest to your ribs, kind of nibbling at the, even the dodgy stuff and the good stuff and picking it up on their little legs or whatever they do as they swarm around and they alight inside you. Keep going in the area right up towards your collarbones. friendly furry bees going in there right around that territory loving you there and going back through to the back of the heart feel so at home with these bees that your legs relax and your hands relax and you surrender whatever's in your heart to this loving touch. It just came, there was a, a poem from Antonio Machado and he says, he says, I dreamt last night, oh marvelous error, 
that bees were swarming in my chest, making honey out of all my old mistakes. Right, and that's what practice can do, making honey out of our old mistakes, if we let it, and other people's. So breathing with your chest, and we'll have just five minutes together, bathing in, letting your chest resonate, tuning in what's it like right now to, in your chest, is it like concrete, is it soft, is it tender? Is it numb or absent? And whatever it's like, seeing if we can have five more minutes of being, receiving the gaze and the sound and the words of the one who wishes you well. So we can start to rest more and trust the goodness of our nature as we're allowed to transform. And to help us with this little reflection, I'm going to play you a poem read by Coleman Barks and he's reading a poem from Rumi. And this is for you. See if you can let him speak to your chest. It's called What Was Told to the Rose. And I um, I hope I don't insult you by saying, if you use your imagination, you are the rose in this story. Right? What was told to the rose. It's the metaphor often for the, in the Western traditions, in the Eastern you have the lotus, right? The lotus opening. In the Western traditions you often find the rose has a similar status, that the rose is something that can unfold in its beauty.
I fill with gratitude. Chewing a piece of sugar cane in love with the one to whom every that belongs. What was said to the rose that made it open was said to me here in my chest. little introduction to upeka, equanimity. <laughs> this is the balance of the heart that is not pulled around by joy or sorrow. It stays steady like a mountain. If you imagine the mountain, it can have beautiful little flowers growing it on it, it can have an avalanche. All kinds of things can happen, but the mountain remains. It's in relationship to the snow and the flowers. But it is not defined by them or pulled around by what happens. So equanimity is this 
quality that is steady, is peaceful actually, and is, is no longer, the heart is no longer pushing against experience or pulling to have it. It's, the reactivity has gone out of the heart in a very clear way. So the winds that blow on the mountain, the worldly winds that we all know, equanimity is what is needed to live with winds that blow, and they do. Praise and blame. Right? If we go to the praise, oh, I'm good, finally, they know I'm good. And we hold on there, then, as my teacher said very regularly, as day follows night, boof, we're clinging, we've set up conditions to cling, the blame comes, you're no good, we don't like you, oh my God, I'm no good, they don't like me. Right? The clinging is the issue. Equanimity can see praise, thank you very much, can see blame, mm-hmm. And the heart stays available. This is very advanced, but it's a beautiful quality. The one, the near enemy, the thing that looks like equanimity but is not equanimity, is indifference. So from the outside, you might someone indifference is um, I'm happy and peaceful because I don't really care about you, right? This still is relational. Equanimity is still relational. It hasn't closed down the heart in order to protect its own little um, niche. Equanimity is big. Um, I'm in connection with you, and as one of my colleagues says, I'm in connection with you, but I let your intactness be different to me. Right? You're intact. I'm not trying to make you otherwise. Your intactness may be different to me. I acknowledge there is responsibility on your side. So you can see how it's a good balance to compassion, a necessary balance to compassion. Compassion, one of the enemies of compassion, the near enemy, is pity. Right? We pity, we lean into the suffering and, oh dear. Right? No, balanced with equanimity, I see there is responsibility on your side. I also know for myself that out of great, of terrible things, sometimes great transformation can happen if we learn how to handle it together wisely. I acknowledge that there are conditions taking place in your life that I cannot control, that I cannot influence, that will not be taken away by my good wishes. So you can see how it has a cooling aspect to it. And it's a very, very beautiful, deep discrimination to see the difference between coolness, where it becomes indifference or closure, and a retreat from the world, right? Or where cooling out of the passion, the cooling of the passion leaves the heart available, open, in relationship, can still respond, but it knows how things are. It knows that 
things are unfolding according to conditions that are not in my control and that are not necessarily in your control. And I get that. There's wisdom shot through, right through the middle of that. There's four metaphors given in the commentaries of um, the four qualities uh, with the um, image of the mother, a mother. And I, th I think it's helpful to see each quality in the, in the way it's given. So the mother in metta, the metta quality with the mother, is the mother with the newborn in love, or being well, right? If conditions are supporting that, or being in love, where she can follow with ease the movements, the needs of the little one, and can reciprocate. Her attention is right there with this little love bundle. I added the love bundle bit. I don't think that's in the commentaries. <laughs> Usually it's a little different in English. Um, the karuna. The mother is both feeling the pain and the sickness of the child, um, but not only feeling it, she is also able to respond in some form or another. She's not just feeling and resonating, but there's some response. doesn't mean she can fix it, right? But there's some response. She might wish the baby well. She might be able to get the medicine. She might have to stay up in the night. She might lose sleep. She may even have to inflict some pain in order for that child's wellness you know some you know like certain things you know like your 10 pence piece stuck down your throat and just to kind of do something the child's not going to want to get that out right so they can be even you don't just say oh i feel your pain little one with a 10 pence piece down your throat the mudita the joy is the parent the mother who can rejoice in the success of her child as it starts to grow <sighs> look at that little step Right, jubilatory, really success. They get to school and you know manage to get the bus home on their own the first time. Or they, whatever it is they do, success. It's like oh, oh, I can take joy in that. And upeka equanimity is the mother and the grown-up child. The grown-up child who has to, she has to let them make their own decisions, even if she could make much better ones. I feel for all the mothers and fathers in the room. I see that with my own parents looking on at us, how they would have liked to have done so many things differently for us. Um, even if they would make those decisions for us, they would weaken our chance to grow in finding our own steps. So there's something that can step back, not out of non-caring, takes a lot of courage actually that can step back and see the way things are with wisdom. So, <clears throat> see. And why it's taught often after the gladness practice is that it's written in the teachings that as the heart grows glad, and we can develop that more, right? You may, may not have been glad this morning, but we can see the possibility. As the heart grows glad in the non-exuberant kind of way, in the way that leads towards more contentment and peace, 
it says the heart that grows glad becomes still. The mind that become um, and it says the mind that becomes happy becomes concentrated. It's a similar thing. The mind that can say, "Oh yeah, there's a rose in my heart." Don't feel it all the time, but there's a kind of happiness in my own unfoldment, in my own potentiality. That mind can become concentrated. A concentrated mind is undistracted and can see things clearly. A mind that sees things clearly can let go, can release, can open her her hands up. And as she lets go, it's not chucking things away. She opens her hands and that means they are available for the next bird that alights in her palm, the next butterfly that comes into her fingers when she's not No birds can come into her palm or butterflies to her fingers. So the letting go is a a relinquishment, but it's it's not a capitulation. It's a understanding how nature works. It keeps letting go of itself, doesn't it? In our aging, in our changing, in the summer turning to autumn and winter, nature keeps releasing and makes room for new life. So understanding the way things are, we can understand and know and touch for ourselves equanimity. Vast, big, with an overview of the whole picture. Let's cultivate this for our own sanity and our, our, our love, actually, out of love. For all these beautiful qualities of the joy and the um, kindness and the compassion so that they can be able to flourish, so that we don't pick up one of them and think it's all about that. Because then we will get tired and burned. Let's balance. So um, let's move for a little bit and then I'll guide us into practice. You know, Jaya asked this morning, how would you dance with joy? Oh, not dance. Do that later. Uh, <laughs> how would you move? How would your body want to move with joy? Right? So if I ask you the question, it's such a funny one with equanimity. How would your body move with equanimity? It's, like, <laughs> right, it's such a mysterious quality, but let's not worry about it for now. Let's move our bodies. Support the back of the, support the lower back. Let the hips turn a little bit. What we don't want to do is try and find a dried up equanimity where we can say, I'm not bothered and uh, lose, lose the luster and change direction. Let the breath keep moving. Let the, don't forget the corners. Can you feel the corners? You can ignore those bits at the edges, but let the corners be filled out. Mm. 
hands, shaking the hands. Shaking the shoulders. We want the chest available. Because we can do a fake kind of equanimity where we tighten up the chest and then nothing bothers us or affects us. And shoulders to the ears with an in-breath. And we're going to bring the belly in here as well. And the out-breath, we're going to make a ha. Oh, yeah, let the sound come really down. So shoulders to ears, holding it from the belly with a ha. Yeah, as if this was your last chance to make a ha. Okay, you don't know when you're going to get another chance. And ha. Okay, shaking the hands, shaking the legs. And come and sit. So letting your body be available probably sounds different in the mind, being available for love, right? It kind of makes sense to us, being available for equanimity. It's a different ring, doesn't it? What does that mean, being available? To, in a sense, go beyond preference for praise and blame. Gain or loss. I'll offer a few phrases and you can pick one you like that, that rings well enough for you. And remember, these are trainings. We can train. We can incline the mind. We can train this heart-mind. It's a responsive thing. It's not a done deal. Little space under the armpits. Letting the elbows be soft, breathing out to the hands. Unfurrowing the um, forehead, softening the jaws, letting the tongue relax. And breathing out, letting your cells and your backside land on the seat. And we'll begin by inviting to mind someone you know who is not having an easy time right now but do not choose the hardest one right the one that's having the most difficult time that you're really intimately involved with something a little little bit lighter than that there's someone who's not having an easy time but that you care about that you care about and if you can't think of anyone personally you know maybe a news article you read n not the worst hit places in the world right now to start with 
But if you have someone personal, choose them. And bring them to mind, let the image of them form, have them sit near you or see where they appear in your field of awareness when you invite them in. I noticed yesterday I brought one of my brothers in and he sort of sat in front of me with his back to me. Like, oh, it's interesting. Okay, let me check that out. That was with the compassion practice. See where this being comes, to your left or right, behind, in front, how they appear to you right now. Offer you a few to try out. Try this one. I care for you, but there are things taking place in your life that I cannot influence, or I care for you, and there are things taking place in your life that cannot be taken away by my goodwill. and breathing with either of those. I care for you. And there are things taking place in your life that cannot be taken away by my goodwill. Breathing. Trying this one. As you're breathing with them, you say, Whether I understand it or not, things are unfolding according to a lawful nature. See if that works for you or if it's too problematic for you, then leave it. Whether I understand it or not, things are unfolding according to a lawful nature. If you get too philosophical, like, well, what about fate and free will and all that, don't go there, we'll, we'll pick that up later. It's not, it's not fatalistic, it's, um, there's another way of saying it, try this one. It's the wisdom aspect, it's like this. Things can only be as they are right now. Right? It's not denying that they can, can't change, because they can. It's recognizing that in this particular moment of time, things have come together and they can only look like this in this moment. What happens next and my response, etc., is open. But things can only be as they are 
right now. See if that works for you. There's three so far. See if there's one that you like. Or this one, which has simpler words. I wish you well, and I cannot keep you from your suffering. I wish you well, and I cannot keep you from your suffering. Or finally, the last one I offer, very simple. Things are just as they are. Things are just as they are. So don't worry if you're not getting a hit off these phrases because you're not really supposed to. <laughs> you don't get a hit off them. But you may notice they, one of them supports you to stay in contact, but you leave the other one intact. You see them with respect, neither patronizing them, nor trying to fix them. But the heart is still available. So things are just as they are, as a possibility. I wish you well, and I cannot keep you from your suffering. Whether I understand it or not, things are unfolding according to lawful conditions. I care for you, but I cannot control your happiness or unhappiness. I care for you, and there are conditions taking place in your life right now that cannot be taken away by my goodwill. I'll just choose one of those and try not to argue with the other ones can argue tomorrow. And see if you can stay awake for this practice. If you need to stand, stand up. The reason, part of the reason it's advanced is because it doesn't pull or push us. Things that pull us or push us like pain or pleasure keep us awake a bit more this starts to take us into territory beyond and requires a vigilance and an attunement and precision. So if you stay awake, you are staying awake for yourself and this world because with all our goodwill, 
The human realm is one that has a share of suffering, sometimes in bucket loads, shed loads. And to keep the heart open in that requires equanimity. So stay with your person, find them again in your mind's eye. I've got one of my brothers, he's come back. Feel your body breathing. And see their body breathing. You might sense the condition of their suffering. Sometimes you can feel like a density of their heart or a dulling of their spirit or an agitation of the soul. I care about you. And there are conditions taking place in your life that will not be taken away by my goodwill. And pausing and lingering with the effect of saying that in your own body, in your own arms. <coughs> Let's practice together. care about you. And there are conditions taking place in your life that cannot be taken away by my goodwill. Things can only be as they are right now.
Things can only be as they are right now in this moment, for this moment. They're like this. I care about you and I acknowledge there are conditions taking place that cannot be taken away by my goodwill. I care for you, but I can't control your happiness or unhappiness. Do stay with that person if you want. It takes something to feel one's way into staying in relationship with equanimity. 
But if someone else comes into view, let them in, see them. Let them know you care. You might want to let them know you wish them well. And practice the upeka. That can help balance the passionate heart. by giving a wide and deep overview out of which all those beautiful qualities can emerge. And checking that you're still breathing. care about you. And there are conditions taking place in your life that cannot be taken away by my love for you.
things cannot be other than they are right now. upright and gentle I care for you and I cannot keep you from your suffering. May all beings meet themselves with uprightness. <clears throat> May all beings meet themselves with gentleness. 
And may all beings know the peace of equanimity. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.